Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning and welcome everyone. We're continuing to discuss Second Samuel in our morning Bible study. We're happy. We're happy you're here to join us. Let's pray. Thank you. Lord, we just thank you for today, Lord. And we just allow you into our midst, Lord, to do as you please, Lord, to work in us and do our Bible study, Lord, to bless those who are listening, Lord, and to also encourage, Lord. Lord, I just thank you for everything, all the knowledge that you give us so that way we can share with others and that you give our parents so that way we can actually learn, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so this morning we are covering 2 Samuel chapter 8. So, without further, further ado, let's get to it. Uh, who wants to volunteer to read? I will. All right, let's read the whole chapter. This is a short one. Okay. After this, it came to pass that David attacked the Philistines and subdued them. And David took Methagamah from the hand of the Philistines. Then he defeated Moab, forcing them down to the ground. He measured them off with the line. With two lines he measured off those to be put to death, and when, with one full line those to be kept alive. So the Moabites became David's servants and brought tribute. David also defeated Hadadezer, the son of Rehob, king of Zobah, as he went to recover his territory at the river Euphrates. David took from him 1,000 chariots, 700 horsemen, and 20,000 foot soldiers. Also, David hamstrung all the chariot horses, except that he spared enough of them for 100 chariots. When the Syrians of Damascus came to help Hadadazer, king of Zobah, David killed 22,000 of the Syrians. Then David put garrisons in Syria of Damascus, and the Syrians became David's servants and brought tribute. So the Lord preserved David wherever he went. And David took the shields of gold that had belonged to the servants of Hadadazer and brought them to Jerusalem, also from Beta and from Berothai, cities of Hadadazer, King David took a large amount of bronze. When Toi, king of Hamath, oh, heard that David had defeated all the army of Hadadazer, then Toi sent Joram, his son, King David, to greet him and bless him, because he had fought against Hadadazer and defeated him. For Hadadazer had been at war with Toy, and Joram brought with him articles of silver, articles of gold, and articles of bronze. King David also dedicated these to the Lord, along with the silver and gold that he had dedicated from all the nations which he had subdued, from Syria, from Moab, from the people of Ammon, from the Philistines, from Amalek, and from the spoil of Hadadazer, the son of Rehob, king of Zobah. And David made himself a name when he returned from killing 18,000 Syrians in the Valley of Salt. He also put garrisons in Edom. Throughout all Edom he put garrisons, and all the Edomites became David's servants. And the Lord preserved David wherever he went. So David reigned all over Israel, and David administered judgment and justice to all his people. Joab, the son of Zeruiah, was over the army. Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahulud, was recorder. Zadok, the son of Ahitub, and Ahimelech, the son of Abiathar, were the priests. Shasha was the scribe, Benani, 
the son of Jehoiada, is that right, Dad? was over both the Carathites and the Pelathites, and David's sons were chief ministers. Good job, Layla. Thank mm, you very absolutely. much, sweetheart. Mm -hmm. So, what did everybody get out of this? What did the Holy Spirit reveal to you? And what questions do you have? I have a question. Shoot. Why did David hamstring all, all the horses? Why didn't he just keep all them, use them for meat and clothing? And to ride? Mm. Horses weren't typically used for eating. There's mm -hmm. among, they have the cloved hooves, so they can't eat them. But even if they were, especially like certain kinds of horses are more, you know, stringy, lean than others, and they may not have been the best quality horses, but oh. something someone else could still ride to battle. Right. So, so they can't use them for meat, but yes, horses, right? Chariots, why do you think? Chariots are constantly mentioned as a sign of strength and power. Mm -hmm. So if he hamstrings the horses, they can't run. So he's already taken their power away from them. Oh, that makes sense. Which now prevents the, uh, I'll say, ability. It definitely mitigates some capability for people to rise up against him. Mm -hmm. Right? Does that make sense? Yes. yes. Anything else? Or anyone else? Um, I find it kind of interesting that David kept Joab as the commander of his army. Why is that? Because Joab was a murderer. Mm -hmm. And? Um, they both were doing the same actions, right? Yes. But here's the thing. Joab had already tested himself and proven himself as being a capable commander of the military. But also being faithful to David. Exactly. As in protecting David, you know, walking slash running with David when they were on the run. However, do you guys remember when the law was given and they said when someone murders your family member, if the murderer, the person that kills your family member, if they are outside of a city of refuge, they are fair game. They can be killed. But if they're in the city of refuge, the the avengers are not allowed to go into the city to kill them. But the moment they step out, their life is in their own hand. Yes. So, um, by that measurement, Joab didn't do wrong however in the spirit of what was being done in the moment where he should have offered forgiveness that's always been god's uh -huh. way that's always been his first route right that's always yes. that's always what he prefers and desires from us is forgiveness and grace towards our brothers and sisters and people um that's the spirit of what david was doing and david desired peace and forgiveness However, Joab clearly wasn't in line with that. He wanted revenge. So, he technically... Was he was unwilling to forgive. Mm -hmm. But we see, as you just brought up, that David is constantly a man of forgiveness. Constantly gives people a second chance, a third chance. He wants to believe the best about the people. Mm -hmm. Even when 
all the evidence points to the opposite. I mean, look at what he did with, um, man, his name just escaped me. Yeah. First on Abner, thank you. With Abner. This is someone that spent a lifetime hunting him down, trying to kill him. Mm-hmm. And what did he do? He forgave him, and he was going to bring him in, underneath, uh, bring Abner in, underneath David, into his kingdom. Didn't say what position or any of that stuff, but he was going to bring him in. He had forgiven him. Right? Yes. Okay. So this is David's character and nature, which exhibits and displays the same character and nature of the Lord. And kept him in his place. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. What else? Um, and that that we were talking about the the law. That's Numbers thirty five is one place that you can find it. Mm-hmm. If I can read over. It. Does anybody else have any anything the Holy Spirit's ministering to you or questions? Uh, I just found it interesting that all the places that David subdued were places when the children of Israel were first coming into the land. The Lord said, He told them to kill some of them but not totally obliterate them mm-hmm. because their measurement of sin has not reached its fullness but it's just interesting to see now that they are being subdued and put into their place I guess yeah but also what are we seeing here the Lord still leaves a remnant yes because David took some of them as servants Right, but even well, I mean, we can look at verse two of Moab specifically. Yes. And yep, there's two lines, and one oh, it's three lines to, technically. Uh, two lines are measured off for those to be put to death, and one to be kept alive. Yes. So, I don't know. When I was reading that, I was reminded of uh, Jesus when he was in Matthew 25 when he was talking about. Judging the nations. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, it's verse 41. He says, he, Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Which denotes that there are um, at least two, two lines, right? One's on his right and one's on his left. So I just find it interesting. You see the clearly this this is long before the time of Jesus or Jesus' time on earth. But David is already I'll say enacting that out as a type and shadow, if you will, of things to come. Yes. So I just found that interesting. But still leaving a remnant. That was just an interesting thing that I was reminded of. Okay. Anybody else? 
When it said that David's sons were chief ministers, was that talking about musicians? Uh, the notes in my Bible say priests. Uh-huh. But that was supposed to be the Levites, wasn't they, it? David's also of the lineage of people that can go before the Lord and the altar. They can't go into the holies of holies, but they can go into the temple and serve before the Lord. Who's that? Uh, let me see. Uh, we were talking about it one devotion. I said, oh, there's David's lineage right there. One second. Let me find it. We've done quite a few devotionals. Yes, I know we've done quite a few devotionals. Um. Um. Are you looking for that? Yes. Part where... Hmm. Well, he was a Levite? I think it was Kohath was the people that were grafted in amongst the Levites and mm -hmm. David also has them in their lineage. Remember where you found that sweeter? Uh, it's right here in Numbers chapter 3, verse 27. It says, From Kate Kohath came the family of blah blah. Oh, ma'am. Yes, I know. <laughs> Say blah blah blah. <laughs> Not blah blah, but. Mm. Talks about their duty. And he was talking to Aaron and said, these people can also come before me. They can't go into the holy holies of see, like the showbread oh, or anything. 31. Their duty included the ark, the table, the lampstand, the altars, the utensils of the sanctuary with which they ministered, the screen, and all the work relating to them. Mm -hmm. That one? Well, yes, there's that. But it was just talking about like where Kohath came from beforehand. Now we have to go back and look at David's genealogy. Oh, they came from the Hebronites. Mm David's genealogy. Okay. Well, let's, let's keep thinking on that. Okay. Let's check that out for further detail. Yeah. We'll look into that some more. But that is interesting that he put his sons there. And uh, I'm not saying you're wrong, Kyla. We just have to research it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But what I see is a, is a father training his sons how to live before the Lord. Mm hmm putting them in, exactly. in a place to learn of him and to um, develop their relationship and desire more in the things of God. David's favorite place was with the Lord and before him. And um, one of the things that the Lord said about Abraham 
when he was getting ready to uh, go to Sodom and Gomorrah, when he was offering the, the opportunity for Abraham to intercede for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, and at the very least his nephew Lot, who was there, he said, shall I hide this from him, seeing as I know that he will teach his children of me mm -hmm. afterwards? That was one of the things that God appreciated and recognized about Abraham was that Abraham would teach his children God's ways. Even in the law, he told them, speak of me in your house, teach your children of me. Bind it to your hand and, and bef between your eyes so that you see his word continually. And that's our job as, as parents is to teach our children the way they should go, which is teach them God's way. So at the, at the very least, I see a man, a God man, teaching his children how to be God men and... Mm -hmm. To love the Lord and to serve him and to know his ways and walk before the, before the Lord, which is honorable. It's what the Lord requires. Absolutely. Uh, that, and that was when I was re referencing Abraham. That's Genesis 18, verse 19. It says, For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring Abraham what he has spoken to him. But even in that, we see obedience is required, not just from Abraham, from the generations after him. Obedience mm -hmm. is required. Right. Learn God's way so you can do them. There's no or expectation that you'll do God's ways if you don't know them. Yes, his, he is written in our DNA to recognize him, to love him, to desire him, and seek after him. That's a part of our being. And that literally has to be overridden for us to ignore the Lord. You cannot look at nature and, and go, there's no God. You see him in everything. You see that he exists in everything. And it's designed in such a way that draws us to him, to long for God, to look for him. But there is also the sin nature that wrestles and is at odds with what God has already intrinsically put in us and built into us. <clears throat> However, it's still our job to teach our children. It's our job to learn. And for the children, it's your job to be receptive and learn to love the Lord and to walk with him. Yep, while you have the, the seeds of loving the Lord, you have to cultivate them, right? Yes. yes. Okay. Hmm. And we remember from the last, um, when, the, when they were bringing the ark back and they put it on the cart, and was it Uza? Put his hand out. Mm -hmm. David learned in that process who goes where and who does what, very specifically, and how to do the things of the Lord. So, so it would have made sense that he would have taught his children mm -hmm. those things. 
or and put them in a place to learn because they're also one of them is going to be king. Mm-hmm. That was that was the promise, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. That he would forever have an heir to sit on the throne. So instead of picking out one to try to teach, teaching all of them how to rule also and to learn the things of God also strengthens their bond together as brethren, strengthens their, their kingdom all the way around. Because hopefully while they're in there, they'll learn to walk in love with one another and to support each other and offer grace as opposed to bickering and trying to topple each other for the throne, for the crown, as some um, other dynasties have suffered. Anything else? Yes. Oh, what's there? No, go for it. Let's hear it. Um, I was gonna bring up where it said he dedicated all these, all the silver and gold to the Lord. Mm -hmm. I want to go to Joshua. Okay. I'm not gonna actually read it, but it was Joshua seven with the son of Achan when he they told the Lord told them not to just not to take anything from it. Mm-hmm. And also with Saul, he said, destroy everything. Mm-hmm. Like Dad was saying about obedience, David was obedient and bringing back the stuff because if the Lord had said, do not do that, while it may look good on the outside, it was still sin on the inside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's a good point. Yes, it is. Well, let's also look at where some of this gold was used in for the temple. It's dedicated to the Lord. Right? That means yes. they would have, when they had the skilled workmen, which they had skilled workmen the whole time, but when they actually went to set the temple under Solomon, right, to actually construct it, to build it, well, a lot of it was overlaid with gold. So, clearly through these, I'll say, conquests, you see where much of that was acquired. Right? Yes. Okay. So, and so I, lo- I like that point, sir. But here's the other thing. I don't want to get too into the details, if you will, on all of the different battles. But here's the thing. We, and we see this throughout David's life. When he's doing what the Lord wanted, the Lord provides, makes a way, and gives him victory. We see this. He's just moving from victory to victory, regardless of the enemy. And then also establishing a foothold, even outside of, I'll say, the territory in the land of Israel. Right? But in what's described as their territories. But even in that, he is also recovering territory that was lost. Right? Yes. Okay. So... Well, we just see the Lord continually blessing David as a result of his obedience. And what is David continuing to do? As with the gold, right? He's dedicating it to the Lord. He's first obedient to the Lord, and then acknowledging. I'll say, I'll say it this way. He's first being obedient to whatever the Lord is telling him to do. And then he is acknowledging the Lord's place in giving him the victory. And that's how we should fashion our lives. Yep, we're going to go do things for the Lord. But let's also acknowledge even the little things that He does in our lives. 
take that step back. Give him the, the glory, the honor, the credit, the glory due his name. Mm-hmm. And you see that, uh, to me, that's the biggest thing throughout this, this chapter. Yeah, the victories are great, right? You know, we all like to, yes. to win and overcome things and move from victory to victory, and that's, that's all well and good. But if the Lord's not in it, it doesn't mean anything. And here he got all these victories over people that were longtime enemies of, of Israel, even. That's the first one mentioned, the Philistines. And he had victory. And it just continued from there. But he always acknowledged the Lord and his role in it and dedicated the victories to the Lord. Even though, we see in verse 13, it says, David made himself a name when he returned from these victories, right? Yes. Okay. But where was David's focus? On the, yes, look what I did as the king? No. Nope. It was on dedicating it to the Lord. The Lord did this. The Lord gave us victory. Mm-hmm. And then even as he set up his administration, yep, he needed an army, clearly. That was actually one of the first things the Lord gave him was an army, if you think back, right? Yes. He was on the run. The Lord then sent him 400 people, 400 men. Doesn't count how many women and all that as well. And then it became 600, right? And they gave him an army. So you see that's the first part of the administration set up. And what's right after it? The priest. Mm-hmm. People that minister to the Lord. So he didn't forget the things that were initially showed him, right? That the yes. Lord initially gave him. But he's also following that exact order in setting up his... Well, the administration, right? Just like today, right? We have, for the president, we have, it's called his administration, right? His cabinet, the members that are part of it. This is what he's describing right here. Who he's setting up in what place, what role they're going to oversee. Any questions on that? What are you doing, Kyle? What are we going to ask? Uh, or comment on? Nothing. They already asked about it. Okay. What about you, Promise? Uh, I was kind of looking at verse 14, and it said, He put garrisons in Edom, and through all Edom he put garrisons. And all the Edomites became David's servants, and the Lord preserved David wherever he went. Mm-hmm. Does that mean David went to war against them? No, it's more like he set up army bases there, mm-hmm. or military bases. It it keeps an eye on the people. It creates a presence without taking over the land from them, like we do, like America does in other countries, or other countries do. Um, it means you have some authority there, and um, if there is uh, an uprising or something where people don't want to follow the rules that they agreed to, you already have troops in the land, but the land and is still the people's. That's in that day and age, right? <clears throat> Today, current, currently, right? There are bases. The United States has bases all around the world, right? Yeah. We're not ruling over the people there. However, what does it do? It gives us 
because of the agreement with the, the nation, the country, we have we can have troops there, and it gives us the ability to get to a conflict zone faster, right? Yes. And coming out of this place, the United States, this country, all the time, right? Yes. Okay. So if we already have troops or garrisons in this case pre-stage already located one can respond faster while the other ones are making their way there right yes so he's setting himself up for success if you will now i'm sure that came from the lord Mm -hmm. that's that's quite a unique strategy especially way back when and now of course after this you see others other nations and other um, empires all the same thing now typically it's done with conquering and then establishing right and having troops everywhere but you see it first here whereas opposed to because even with the philistines and david right he had an outpost it doesn't say there was really anybody at the outpost that's why it was given to david surely there was no one there because they would have seen him coming and going raiding people and they would have said something so having a location that's not used vice having a location and setting troops garrisons out there does twofold right if someone attacks one of them then one can run back right a messenger and let one of the other garrisons that's closer by know right so they can respond so it sets up both the ability or i'll say in this way it sets up a defense for israel but also the ability to respond or to be offensive when need be. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Okay. But again, what's it say? The Lord preserved David wherever he went. Does that not sound familiar? Does that not sound like something that was said to Joshua? Yes. Wherever the sole of your foot touches, I've given you the land. Yes. We see that played out here. Demonstrated. The Lord, again, fulfilling his promise. But that came as a result of what? Being obedient. Being obedient to the Lord, completely. Not listening to half the directions and then doing your own thing and filling in the other half. But listening completely to the fullness of the instructions, the commandments that the Lord is giving, and following them in their entirety. Mm-hmm. Whatever the Lord's commanded. Mm-hmm. Carrying it out. And then there's a blessing. Or in this case, and then David is blessed. And you see that, which again is the Lord fulfilling his promise or promises. Mm -hmm. All right, well, let's pause there for this week or for this week, for today. Mm -hmm. Just today. (laughs) Yeah, just today. I'm going to head of myself. So let's pause there. Let's close this out in prayer. I will. All right, Kyla. Lord, we just thank you for today, God. We thank you for giving us wisdom and 
understanding and giving us a discerning spirit, God. We thank you that you equip us for all that we need and you prepare us ahead of time before anything happens, God. And I ask that you strengthen our listeners, God, and you encourage them and edify them, God. Help them stand and give them assurance that although the way is not, it does not appear to be easy, that it'll be okay, God. I ask that you continue to bless them, God, and watch over them and keep them safe throughout their days. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. We love you. God bless you. Everybody have a wonderful day. God bless you. Bye. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.